0: Your um, non-smartphone is up here. (laughs) Um, Um, So my name is Michael DiStefano. Um, Many of you know me. Um, Some of you might have seen me present a similar talk or on a similar topic month or so ago um, at the Polk County Republicans, at the urging of TED. Um, and uh, this talk is going to be different. This is actually the talk that I wish I could have given there. Uh, that was a political audience. I'm not a political person. And um, I'd like to pull away from the tactics a bit. You know, I could talk about end-to-end encryption, and I will. It's, it's pretty simple. I could explain it, there's a whiteboard there. Um, and uh, different privacy concerns and things like that tech, of a technical nature. But really the purpose of this talk is to step back and talk a little bit more about the strategy um, and the underlying philosophy that got us into this current situation. Um, So I don't have a a PowerPoint or anything like that, um, so you'll have to to deal with me. That was, uh, yeah, Jason was very happy when he heard that I wasn't going to use a PowerPoint. So uh, very briefly, um, a little bit about me and technology. So my wife and I are both software engineers. Um, She's got a master's degree. I don't, so she's better than me there and um, we both met in Silicon Valley uh, we met each other there it's kind of like the tech mecca that you end up in if you're working in software um, so we met there and we also uh, found Christ there both of us were secular agnostic or atheists and in San Francisco uh, found the church so good did come out of that um, and technology played a part in that and, and I'll get into that um, but my, my history with um, technology I, I ran my first server before getting to high school. Um, I've been involved with technology in a professional capacity since before graduating. I have a degree in computer science. I've worked for and started uh, a slew of technology companies of different sizes, um, some of which you've heard of. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm just a general enthusiast about technology. So that's enough about me. Um, But I think where I'd like to start is where we are today. So many of us are. Kind of, I was talking to Jason about this, many of us go to sleep with this, this conflict. Um, we have this guilt where we, we feel like we have to reject technology because we know all the evils that it represents and all the evils um, that are on technology platforms and the companies that offer it to us. But at the same time, we see its utility and we see the good that comes out of it. We see, for myself, you know, converting. I, I went to a Catholic high school and the message didn't reach me there. The message reached me on the internet, frankly. Um, and I was able to find materials um, and, and YouTube videos and, and things of that nature uh, that exposed me to a side of the faith and philosophy, and specifically Aquinas, that, that really I, I had no exposure to previously. And so I think a lot of us see this. We see the value that technology can offer, but we also have this, this urge to reject it all. Um, and, and some of us look, look longingly at the Amish. You know, I, I know myself, I did. Um, in fact, I was making fun of Jason for having a dumb phone, but I actually went with a dumb phone for a year. The only reason I got a smartphone is because my house here doesn't have cellular service. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I'm very familiar with that tendency to want to reject all technology. Um, but in reality, the Amish aren't relevant. They don't have any impact on the culture. And as Catholics, we're not called to, to completely reject the culture. You know, we're, we're called to be um, in the world, not of the world. But we can't simply reject the culture and leave, leave the culture to be built by others. We're meant to build the culture ourselves and to be leaven to the world and the salt of the earth. And so we can't just eschew all technology and allow others and see that the, sh- the shape of technology to, to others who are building it not in the image and, and guided by the light of faith, but by, secular or you know, other, other philosophies. So, so I think a lot of us come to this position of this, this angst uh, because we're beleaguered. We feel torn bet- between the two sides of this, what I'm calling a false dichotomy. Sorry, I, I, I have to, Jason, um, use my title. I know you, you were defending the Luddites to me. But I said, we have this, this, this false dichotomy of being, becoming a digital Luddite or an Instagram addict. And, and really, that's, that's a false dichotomy, and that's what I'm here to present. Um, and I think part of how we got here is basically for the last decade and a half, we've, we've, we've changed our view of technology from being a powerful tool that we can use to accomplish ends, whatever those ends may be, to an oppressive master. And a lot of this has to do with two major companies, which is Google and Facebook, um, and, and kind of the industries that, that took shape around those two companies. Um, now, Google is basically an advertising company um, and they've gotten their tentacles into everything to track what we do online and to track you so that they can deliver more effective advertising. Um, and Facebook has done largely the same. They've com- both companies have commoditized our relationships. Um, and But if we can think back before them, you know, I think we had a much more positive view of technology as, some, as, a, as a tool to be used, not a tool to use or oppress us. And so, the analogy I like to use is junk food. We all know, you know, McDonald's and and junk food. Um, Hi, Diane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a perfect water break. (laughs) Um, So, so the existence of junk food and the fact that junk food's not good for us doesn't mean that all food is bad. And and that's the analogy that I'd like to use to suggest that the tendency to reject technology, while it may be animated by something good, is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And and I'd also like to say if you're that that technology interrupts your talk. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, I'd also like to say that. You know, despite many of our desire, perhaps, to go back to a simpler time, I don't think it's gonna happen. I mean, after the Gutenberg press came out, we didn't go back. Uh, you know, there were, there were arguments against publishing and against, and against literacy. Um, and there are, there are still arguments, I've encountered them. But we didn't go back, and as Catholics, what we did was we learned how to use that technology to spread the word, to spread the gospel. Um, and we didn't necessarily use publishing houses run by seculars, uh, secular inhabitants or, or Protestants, we, we started our own publishing companies. Um, and so I'm going to kind of use that as an example of where we're going here. So, and I think part of the reason why we feel this way is that we've become consumers of technology. For some reason, something has shifted. We went from, Catholics used to be innovators, right? I mean, the flying buttress created, created to support um, large, large structures, right? Large, large cathedrals. Um, but for some reason, we've seeded we've this control and we view technology as something that's created by others that we simply consume. Um, in a way, it's, it's like we're operating in a playground created by others. And, and basically, technology is an artifact that is made in the image of its creator. And so it's going to reflect the beliefs and the, the philosophy of that creator. And if we cede control of the creation of technology to others, um, we're going to allow it to be shaped in a way that doesn't reflect, uh, reflect Catholic values and is, is hostile to Catholic values. And so I'd like to draw our minds to the image of what's in, Va- in, in Vatican City in the center. There's an obelisk. And when we brought that obelisk there, what did we do? We put a cross on top of it. We didn't destroy the obelisk. Um, but then we didn't stop there. We, we built a city and a civilization around it. And so that's, that's what I'm getting at here, is we don't simply need to replace all the technologies that exist, but we need, to, we need to build new ones. And we need to gain our own confidence back that we can innovate, that we can create technology, and that if we're, if we're doing it right, if we're oriented towards God, that technology is going to take a different shape. And so an image that I like to use is a canvas. If we are artists and we get a canvas and we expect that canvas to be white, but instead we're given a black canvas, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to paint what we want it to be able to paint. And so we're using this canvas that's given to us, this black canvas yeah. that's given to us by other people who have created this technology. And we, we complain. We say, oh, I've, I've been deplatformed and something like that. But in reality, it's like, imagine we're, we are, we walk into a mosque, right? And there's a, there's a spread, there's a, a gluten-free donuts for Jason's family and ah. stuff. And, <laughs> and we're, we're, we love the, the mosque and we go in there and we're, we're participating in the community and everything. And then after a month or so, they start talking negatively about our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're surprised and angry. It's like, well, that's what we're doing. We're using these platforms created by others that were not created for us. They're not created in line with our values. And then we complain when they don't act in accordance with the way we want them to. Um, But in reality, we've given them that control. We've ceded that control. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that this is not a technological problem. Like, most people don't realize, but... The majority of technology that we use today was not built from scratch by these companies. So um, I don't know how many of you have used WhatsApp. WhatsApp sold for, I believe, $30 billion. WhatsApp literally took an open source free piece of software called Jabber, it's now called XMPP, put an interface on top of it, and they restricted what was an open technology, and they made a lot of money doing it. Google, Gmail, right? Email is an open standard. The reason you can send email from your Yahoo account to your Google account is because one company doesn't control email, right? And yet, what these companies do is they take a business model and a huge marketing engine, and they take existing technologies, and they restrict them, and that's how they make money. They are not necessarily, I mean, some things, don't get me wrong, some things are created from scratch. But I think um, you know, somebody, uh, one of the previous presentations, I don't, I don't remember if it was Jason or Carlton, um, Said that technical language is meant to distance us. And it's really used in a way, I mean, we see this in the medical profession, especially, right? It's to set up an asymmetry um, so that it shows who's a leader and who's who's you know doesn't, doesn't really know what's going on. And it sets up an asymmetrical power st- structure. And you know, my my industry is definitely guilty of doing this as well. And it's it's guilty of scaring us and 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 implying that we can't build this stuff. Like, oh, we're so we're so high and mighty, us software engineers. We used to call ourselves programmers. Now we, we now we use software engineers because I think a lot of scientists have physics envy, and software engineers have like physical engineering envy. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, programmer's not good enough. So we we like calling ourselves engineers to feel more special. Um, no, I'm a sanitation engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so so this isn't a technical problem. We are at um, and and this is what I want to communicate really and this is one of the main messages is that we're on this This major cusp. We have all these building blocks At our disposal and we can build this technology the same exact building blocks that the big tech companies are using your iPhone your Mac Many of the older people in the room have heard of Unix. They're literally running a version of Unix They did not create those things from scratch they took something that was created by a bunch of hippies in the, in the universities in the 60s and 70s, and they turned it into a product. All these, all these components are off the shelf. And so to go back to that mosque, it's like going into the mosque and complaining when they talk about Jesus in a way that we don't, you know, that, that is denigrate, denigrates him and our lady. Um, while there's the building blocks, like pre-made components to assemble a church right next door. Right, And that, that's literally the situation we're in. It is not difficult to build these things. And like, there is a glut of free technology out there. And there is a lot of people, in fact, I gave a talk almost two years ago now in San Francisco at my parish there uh, to a bunch of software engineers who worked for the big tech companies. And I called it engineering the Benedict's option. And one of the things that I was talking about was that not only do we have to create alternatives, we have to create new technology guided, that's going to be that white canvas for us. That's not going to be the black canvas. You know, if Catholics built YouTube, it wouldn't look like YouTube. It would look very different. Um, but these, these technologies were created and guided by different forces, uh, different philosophies, most of which is, is centralization. Um, and this actually has a big impact on how people think. And so this is, this is like near and dear to my heart, because a lot of the people I would encounter in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley simply did not know. They have such a caricature of the faith. Um, and I think a large part of this, I've thought about this a lot, is a conflation with technical progress with societal progress. And so what they do is they see all this technical progress and they say, well, there must be a, pro- a progressive trend towards history. And and then they, they, they say that we, we, our politics must mirror the technological development. Um, and that's largely because us Catholics are not creating technology, right? In the Middle Ages, we were it, right? I mean, the flying buttresses, the, the beautiful squares, the cathedrals. Um, but as I said, the artifact of technology is shaped by, in the image of its creator. Um, I mean, imagine, like, if Father's homilies were given in a megachurch, like, like <laughs> with, with lights and everything, and then a big microphone, right? You need a coffee break. I hear they have coffee shops in their own Maybe Yeah, I mean And and so my point is like, If Catholics are going to build a megachurch It's not going to look like a megachurch It's going to look like a cathedral And if Catholics are going to build technology Like YouTube, it's not going to look like YouTube It's going to look like something else And so, what is that something else? And that's what what I, I want to talk about And Jason warned me not to talk about solutions But I'm ignoring his advice here Um, Because because one of the tendencies that guides most technology development today is the theme of centralization. And a large part of this is a business reason, right? If you can centralize something, if you can be a choke point, you make a lot of money, right? But in reality, the internet and a lot of technologies were built with decentralization in mind and one that we can really all relate to is email. Now email I think is a perfect way to begin and, and it's a perfect way to think about what, what, I'm, what I'm saying about decentralization. So no one company controls email. You can have a Google, a Gmail account and you can send an email to a Yahoo account. Now this is not the way that Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or any of YouTube, Twitter, any of these companies work. they are all these independent little fiefdoms Right? And we're meant to be serfs that till the soil in those fiefdoms. And we don't, we don't get to benefit from, from the fruits of our labor in those little fiefdoms, they do. In fact, they are like, like an, a, a magazine has to produce the content to be able to sell ads, all right, so that people see it. We literally create the content for these advertising companies so that they can advertise on our own content. And not only that, they, without our consent, use what we're doing to, to analyze our behavior and then show us more, more and more direct advertising. And most people don't know this, but if, you know, Google doesn't, there's no, there's no people at Google reading all your emails, right? So like when people use this sort of fear mongering and saying, Google's reading my emails. Well, no, nobody's there reading your emails, but what they are doing is they have algorithms and, and analyzing the contents of your email. And then every time you go to a website, with a YouTube embed or a click this to share on Facebook or something. Like Facebook's able to track what you're doing there. Literally every website, a lot of Catholic websites. In, in, in starting this company that I did, I've talked to a lot of Catholic publications and I say, I was like, guys, like you're including all this stuff on your website. Your visitors to your website have not consented to be tracked by the content that you're putting on that website. The reason a lot of these websites are so slow nowadays is because when you go to a website, it used to be if you go to google.com, you're connecting to Google. Well, Google's a bad example because they're the ones who are the external thing. But let's say you go to NC Register, right? The contract is that you think, I'm going to NC Register. Like, this is a relationship between me and NC Register. But what NC Register does by adding Google tracking pixels, Facebook tracking pixels, all these other things, what they're doing is they're inviting other people into this relationship without asking you. and, and this lack of consent, I think, is a big problem that's poisoned our view of technology. Like I said, we used to view technology as something that was empowering, and now we view it as this oppressive master. And it's these bad behaviors that have really poisoned the well for us. And we need to get away from that thinking. And, you know, Catholic social teaching says that there's, we may not do an evil so that a good may, may come of it. You know, we can never, the ends never justifies the means. And that's what I'm trying to communicate to a lot of these a lot of these publications and other Catholic websites is like, you guys need to stop doing this because yeah, you might argue that you're reaching more eyeballs. That's the term that they use in Silicon Valley. You're reaching more eyeballs by doing this. But in reality, if you're, if you're doing these, these morally compromised behaviors in order to do that, like you're, you're part of the problem here. Um, so we, we really need to build technologies informed by our faith informed by catholic principles um, and and not seed control of the creation and the shaping of our technological future to people who who view us um as anachronisms um, and not only like a large part of the good of of technology since catholics began using it is evangelization as i said you know i myself a lot of my friends um in san francisco especially who are in this milieu Are reached by by the new quote-unquote new evangelization on these on these tech platforms Um, but it's also evangelical the true the good the beautiful are evangelical and innovation done rightly rightly oriented is evangelical because a lot of people who are in these innovative fields view Catholics as backwards and not innovative but in reality we are the ones who should be building the technology and we're the ones who have the, the proper telos, right? The proper ends towards which to orient it. Um, and we need to, we need to, 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 to stop seeding control of this and really start building things for ourselves. And so that's where decentralization comes in. Like I said, we have this glut of existing technology, these glut of LEGO pieces, more than LEGO pieces. These are like pre-assembled helicopter, LEGO helicopters, and we can assemble the city. Like, it's not just the individual bricks. These, a lot of these are... are largely made components, right? And getting back to email. Email is this decentralized technology. And I think that's where it starts. We talked about the principle of subsidiarity and how things handled at the local level. The problems should be handled at the smallest level possible. Mm-hmm. By creating <coughs> decentralized versions of technologies, it allows us to, to interact with others as individuals and on a, on a local level. And the beauty of the internet is, is the connectedness that we can have to people at different distances. The, the amazing thing about decentralized technology is that you can link these together. Just as like individual medieval parishes can be linked together by roads, decentralized technology, we create these little communities, but they're linked together. And, and they, they aggregate <coughs> together just like email servers do. Just like if you've got, you know, I run an email server, you have other people who run email servers, and they all link together, right? And they all interoperate. But it allows for the thriving and the building of small businesses. YouTube's another example. There's, you know, there's a lot of talk about creating a conservative YouTube or a Catholic YouTube. But what I like to say is that the answer to big tech is not big Catholic tech. Just as the answer to Walmart is not Whole Foods, but farmers markets. You know, and we can we can really we really have an opportunity to, to, to participate in the development of technology, not to reject it, to shape it um, and to bring God into it. Because by, by rejecting technology and by ceding control of its development, we're basically depriving God of any influence in technological development. And like it or not, technology plays a huge part in our lives. Um, and so... And so that's that's really what I wanted to say here. Now I'm I'm more than happy to explain the how these things work technically and everything, um, but but that's my main thesis. Is that as Catholics, Michael, will you tell us about your email service? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so I mean, like I said, not only is Google and Facebook bachelor, so. not only when 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 you're, you know, going to a website, it does Google and Facebook have tracking pixels that are tracking you all over? They're reading your email, but but. And you might have consented to that by signing up for a Gmail account. But people who send you an email did not consent to that. And, um, and so one of Google's strategies is to, to go into an industry and to dominate it to such a degree by operating at a loss, because they could sustain those losses, and to dominate it, and to completely decimate the competition, and then they can raise their prices. I mean, we see, we see a lot of businesses do this. Starbucks does this to small, you know, small coffee shops and stuff. Um, and so I think email is really the most important technology to begin with here, because it is a th- distributed technology, and it paves the way, because people are familiar with it, because it's not yet controlled by any one company. Um, and so I started an email server called FIDE. Um, uh, FIDE. FIDE.email. FIDE. 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 So not .com, .email. That actually works. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, it offers uh, email accounts um okay you go to feedday dot email and that's it that's it yeah f f, f-, Th- f-, I, f- I d e i fide, yeah yeah father what does FIDE mean okay. <laughs> in, in yeah so yeah so the slogan is email for the faithful um, <F-i-D-R-re> yeah. f i d e <F-i-D-R-re> i dot email F-I-D-E-I. 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 Yeah, yeah, F-I-D-E-I, yeah, email. But, but in reality, e- you know, email, email's not where I, where I want to stop with this. So um, since, since launching this email server, it was New Year's Eve last year, so pretty recent, only a little over a month. We've got a lot of actually Catholic businesses using it um, and, and individuals. And um, my friend who in Silicon Valley uh, was a skeptic, uh, has since come on. Um, so he's since come on, um, and so we're building this and talking to a lot of other people um, and using email as a sort of beachhead um, to, to get the word out there that this is possible. This is possible to do. Um, and we need to stop you know, thinking that we need to be on the defensive here, and we could actually shape, shape technological development going forward.